Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, religion is the best thing around, and religion can be the worst thing around. That's just the way it goes. When religion functions well, when it functions according to its own deepest purpose, it brings us into friendship with God. I've told you before, for Thomas Aquinas, that's the very definition of salvation, to be God's friend. And at its best, religion functions to cultivate that friendship. But when it's dysfunctional, when religion goes bad, it goes really bad. and can make life miserable for yourself and for people around you. I've told you before about that great Roman principle, the ancient Romans. Corruptio optimi pessima. The corruption of the best is the worst. When the best thing goes bad, it really goes bad. So religion, when it becomes dysfunctional, is very dangerous. Well, the authors of the Bible, both Old Testament and New, were fully aware of this principle. The greatest avatars of religion Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Moses, Peter and Paul, Jesus himself, these greatest avatars of religion, who knew religion at its best, who knew how it conduces to God's friendship, also knew how it goes bad, also knew its tendency toward corruption. And here is the focus of our gospel for today. Jesus engaging the scribes and Pharisees. What do we hear? Listen. The scribes and Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all the things they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. Okay, there it is. The strong, even devastating words of the Lord Jesus. But notice something first. Before we get to the critique, notice something. Jesus is not allowing his hearers to use the moral corruption of the scribes and Pharisees as an excuse not to listen to them. They've taken their place legitimately on the seat of Moses. They are the teachers of Israel. Are they corrupt? Yes, in many cases. And he's the first one to say it. But don't let their corruption be an excuse not to listen to them. This is a great problem, you know, in the history of religion. So a teacher, a priest, a theologian, a writer urges you to do something, to live a certain way. And you say, well, look, you're a hypocrite. Look, you don't live that way. Look, you're no great paragon of virtue. Therefore, I'm going to ignore what you say. Hmm. No, no, says the Lord. Do indeed listen to what they say. 
if they're teaching in the chair of Moses, if they're teaching the authentic stuff, don't let their moral corruption give you an excuse to ignore them. That's an important first principle, I think, here. But then he gets precise about their bad example. He gets precise about what's wrong with them. Listen. They tie up heavy burdens hard to carry and lay them on people's shoulders and do not lift a finger to move them. Here's the first great problem with the scribes and Pharisees, and if I can broaden it a bit, the first great problem with religion. We can use the very moral precepts of a religion as a tool of aggression. Can I say it again? We can use the very moral and spiritual precepts of religion as a tool or an instrument of aggression. Friends, the basic problem with all sinners, all of us sinners, is the fearful ego. The I, the ego that becomes afraid. And it therefore wants to lash out at those around it. Put them down. Put them in their place. That seeks to elevate itself. There's a very direct, unsubtle way to do this. It's the path of the bully. I verbally attack someone. I aggressively put them down. Maybe in the extreme case, I even physically attack them. That's the, the bully's direct means of aggression. But there is this more subtle, and therefore I would say more insinuating and dangerous technique of the religious person. I know the law. I know what God wants. I know what the church expects. And you are not living up to it. I know for a fact the way you're living is out of step with what the church expects of you. I know what God wants, and you are not doing it. From my high moral ground, I can look down at you, and all I'm doing is puffing up and elevating my own ego. Or, I can be a bit more indirect. I can gossip about you behind your back. Again, using the law itself as a tool of aggression. Here's what the Bible says. But that person doesn't live that way. Jesus says we should never say such things, but I hear her saying that all the time. The church teaches we should live our moral lives in such a way, and I know for sure that he's not doing it, because I heard thus and so. Now, it's not quite the direct method of the bully. It's not a direct, even verbal attack. It's now an indirect verbal attack. But still, using the law as a tool of aggression. Go back now to the words of Jesus. They tie up heavy burdens hard to carry and lay them on people's shoulders. What are these heavy burdens? But the moral and spiritual demands of the church. Are they bad in themselves? No, as I've often said, the law is meant to liberate you. And when it's done well, when it's exercised well, that's what it does. But here, in this hypocritical context, The law is functioning simply as a weight that I am placing on someone's back, hoping to weigh them down so that my ego can be inflated and elevated. That's the game. 
What's the giveaway? Jesus says, they put the heavy burdens on people's backs, but then will not lift a finger to move them. That's the giveaway. That's the key. Is there anything wrong with a religious teacher placing the burden of the law on someone? No. If that teacher is at the same time willing to help that person deal with the demand of the law. You see what I'm driving at? If I place this demand of the law on you, I say, look, here's what the Lord wants of you, and then walk away. Or worse, I place it on you, and then I exult in the fact that you are burdened by it. Well, then I'm just using it as a tool of aggression. But if I place it on you, and say, you know what? I'm here to help you deal with that. I'm here to help you walk with that burden. Now, now, I'm legitimately using the law. Here's a very good example of it. Cardinal George, the Archbishop here in Chicago, came here to the seminary where I'm taping these words, gave a wonderful talk to our students. It was last year. He said, I am so glad that so many of you are filled with a fervor for the law of the church. You want to know it? to study it, and you want to teach people clearly what the church expects of them. Good. I'm glad. There was too much loosey-goosey attitude toward the church's teaching. Good. But then he said, very much in the spirit of this gospel, you can't simply drop the truth on people and then leave them. You can't simply drop this moral truth in people's laps and then say, well, it's up to you to deal with it. You must be willing now, he said, to walk with them. Help them understand it. Help them deal with it. The works of love must always accompany the work of truth. And that's what the Pharisees forgot. And that's why Jesus is going after them here. Now, here's the second great problem with religion. Also in Jesus' speech here. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets and seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and the salutation rabbi. So the first problem is the Pharisees use the law as a tool of aggression. The second problem is they're using the very stuff and symbol of religion to puff up themselves. That lovely detail, they widen their phylacteries. You know what phylacteries? They have the little boxes that an Orthodox Jew would wear on his forehead, and in the box would be a little parchment with a scriptural quote on it. Or they'd wear one on their arm, a little box here to remind them of the law. Good. It's a neat practice. But the Pharisees, Jesus said, would widen their phylacteries. They'd make these boxes very big and very ostentatious so everyone could see them. Now they were forgetting about the scripture inside the box and they wanted people to look at the box. Well, that's the problem. Look at me. Literally, by the way, wearing your religion on your sleeve, that wide phylactery on your arm. Or they lengthen their tassels. Well, these were kind of extensions from the outer garment of a pious Jew. They were meant to symbolize one's attachment to the law. Good. It's a beautiful symbol. But now, to draw attention to myself, I'm going to lengthen my tassels to make sure you see them and make sure you notice just how pious I am. 
Once that game is being played, then the thing is over. Why? Because religion at its best is meant to get you off of the ego. It's meant to get you off of yourself, off of the I, so that you can experience reality richly and deeply, so you can become a person of love. When you start using the very symbols of religion to draw attention to your ego. And brothers and sisters, fellow sinners, this is something we all do from time to time. We religious people are especially vulnerable here. Watch it. Watch it. The last one. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in the synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation rabbi. Now, maybe this one applies more precisely to religious leaders, you know, to those who are officially functioning as leaders in the church. When I was ordained now nearly 20 years ago, we still lived in a culture where priests were kind of elevated, especially around here where I'm from, around Chicago. Priests were pretty honored figures. If you walked into a room, you would get all kinds of marks of respect. People would use your title, Father. They'd probably move you to a high place. Do you want, you want to know the truth? To me, there's something good about the recent scandal, only in this sense, that maybe it's getting people over that. I mean, right now, when a young guy here at the seminary is studying to be a priest, he knows he's going to walk out into a society where he's not going to be particularly honored. In fact, just the opposite. Often when priests appear in public now, well, they're, they're objects of derision. Maybe there's something good in that. You know? If we use our titles and positions and, and religious dress and so on to draw attention to ourselves, we're missing the boat. Religion is the best thing going when it functions right and makes us God's friends. But when religion goes bad, it can go very bad. Let this warning of the Lord sink into your soul this week. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that, together, we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.